The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. At this point, most of us are shocked when we realize that 500,000 Americans have died from COVID-19 more than any other country, and more Americans than died in World War I, World War II, and Vietnam combined. A closer look reveals the racial inequities in these numbers. Three times as many Latino and Black Americans have become infected with the coronavirus compared to their white neighbors. With that in mind, it is alarming that Black communities are the least likely to take the potentially life-saving vaccine when it becomes available. Today, we are going to address this dangerous situation. We are so fortunate to have as our guest, Dr. Xanthia Wiley, a black physician, infectious diseases specialist, and director of antimicrobial stewardship at Emory University Hospital Midtown. Dr. Wiley is a member of the Emory Department Medicine's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council and the Emory Collaborative Community Outreach and Health Disparities Research Initiative. Dr. Wiley serves as the co-lead of the Emory Healthcare COVID-19 Treatment Guidance Committee and is dedicated to educating patients, healthcare providers, and community organizations on COVID-19 and healthcare disparities. Dr. Wiley is joined today by a family member, her aunt Denise Rankin, a retired bookkeeper and receptionist in Castleberry, Alabama. She's the mother of three daughters and is the major caretaker to her elderly parents who are Dr. Wiley's grandparents. I have a feeling Denise working as a bookkeeper might have been easier, given all this responsibility I'm hearing. Together, it was. <laughs> okay. Together, they're going to bring us up close and personal to the fear of the vaccine, the family risks of not taking it, and information that we hope will reduce your fears and enhance your ability to protect yourself and your family. The goal of this show is to speak out to black communities and any family who might be hesitating taking this potentially life-saving vaccine. Dr. Wiley and Denise Rankin, it is my privilege to welcome you to Psych Up Live. And thank you so much for having us, Dr. Phillips. Uh, Okay, you're more than welcome. You're very welcome. So let's start in Alabama. Denise, what was the situation there in terms of COVID-19? Has it become a very, very high rate of contagion? And have people spoken about the vaccine? What's the situation that you've been facing there? Actually, we're so small that we had not even been given the test to be tested. And once we start getting the test in and people started taking the test, it was evident that we were in a situation that was very, very scary. Mm. Now, when well, Denise, when you heard about the idea of a vaccine that might prevent people getting COVID-19, what was your feeling about it? Uh, I was very reluctant to get the vaccine because I thought that the vaccine had possibly came out too soon. There had um, not been enough research in the length of time, and I was fearful. I um, often thought about the Tuskegee Airmen experimentation situation, too, and you hear a lot of things that actually cause you to have a fear about mm. the vaccine. So you you were remembering times when the black community was extremely exploited by medical experimentation, and I you did. were worried. 
And I can't tell you how many people have said, I think it might have come out too soon. It's only an emergency approval. Um, So Dr. Wiley, help us out here. At some point, we're going to ask you all those questions, but what prompted you to go back home to be with Denise and to address the vaccine situation? Absolutely. So, you know, Southern Alabama is where I was was raised, and it's where my mother is, my um, stepfather, my extended family, my grandparents, my aunt. And, you know, during COVID, it was really important for me to um, visit my family, definitely, you know, socially distanced, wearing masks. Um, my mother was under the weather at, at that time, and I wanted to check on my mother. And also, while I was there, having witnessed um, the uh, it's the significant amount of, um, of of COVID that we were seeing in minority populations, mm-hmm. I was concerned about our um, our rural community as well, and planned to use that time that I was going to be at home checking on my mother to start these conversations with my my loved ones to understand, number one, you know, what do you think about the vaccine? What are some of your, your fears? What are questions that I can, I can help answer for you? Because it's so important for, you know, family members and people in your community to hear it from someone that they, that they know and to hear it from someone who, who looks like them. So, you know, it was, it was double duty, checking on my mother and, mm-hmm. you know, talking to my family about, about COVID and trying to, you know, dispel a lot of the, the myths that are, are out there and to, you know, provide science and, and data and the truth um, behind both COVID and the, um, the vaccine itself. So tell us a little bit, let us into the conversation. What did you actually share with Denise? Absolutely. So I shared with with my aunt Denise and family members the, the mm-hmm. disproportionate um, effect that I was seeing COVID have had on patients. So I'm an infectious diseases physician, you know, right in the hospital taking care of patients. And very early on, I noticed so many of the patients looked just like me. So many mm-hmm. were, you know, were, were were black. And in in Atlanta, where I where I practice, some hospitals were seeing of all of their COVID patients. Up to seventy percent were were black, and also mm-hmm. seeing that disproportionate effect um, on the Hispanic um, population as as well. So it was important for me to let my family know that number one, COVID is affecting us disproportionately, and number two, what can we do to help ourselves, to help our own community? One of the things that we can do besides socially distancing and wearing masks, et cetera, is to take the vaccine to help protect ourselves, our families, and our community. Mm-hmm. So, Denise, what was it that your niece told you that made you decide you would consider the vaccine? Well, um, she told me that um, she was telling me that this was for my protection as well as her grandparents' protection. We did the social distancing. We wore our masks, and we needed to hear her tell us it's okay. The studies show that this vaccine is effective. It will not harm you that you need it for protection. And with that in mind, I said, okay, I said, I'm still thinking that I'm not taking it. I've heard things that um, people have had facial um, paralyzing and different sorts of things, but they were not sure that this was caused by the vaccine itself. So some of the information that's being put out to us, it causes fear and therefore causes the reluctancy to take the vaccine. But when we hear from someone of our color who works with the CDC that's informed a physician, you're more likely to say, okay, she's not going to tell me 
my family member, a physician who knows the process and what took place in coming up with these vaccines, she's not going to tell me anything to hurt me. And when she said the word, this is for your protection as well as my grandparents, that encouraged me. And to this day, I have gotten my first round of the vaccine. <laughs> Great. Great. That's wonderful. So at what point in the story, Dr. Wiley, do, do your grandparents get COVID? Absolutely. So when I um, visited home in, in December, um, I had received my first dose of the, the vaccine and was able to tell you know my, my family members I received it. Yes, I did have some soreness in my arm. All is well. We should all re- receive our, our vaccine. So it was in early um, early January that um, my grandfather ended up having to go to the hospital with respiratory symptoms, and he was subsequently diagnosed with, with COVID. Knowing that um, he had COVID, we made sure to have my grandmother tested as well. She mm-hmm. was diagnosed with, with COVID as, as well. And mm-hmm. they were both hospitalized in our small, you know, um, hometown hospital. They've been married over 65 years <laughs> and were in the same hospital room. Um, went, fortunately survived and mm-hmm. um, um, ended up going to a nursing rehab facility. And they both recovered from, from COVID in their home now. And what wow. I'm most proud of in my in my small you know hometown institution is that they made sure to provide them the first dose of their COVID vaccine while they were in the rehab nursing wow. facility. Oh, so great. yes, they had they were absolutely they had recovered from from COVID, um, um, made it to the rehab nursing facility, got their first dose there, and and since they've been home. We have even, I'm not going to even say we, it was the community, my family, their primary um, care provider has made sure that they received their second dose of the, of the vaccine as well. So them contracting COVID, you know, really let us know how important it is for younger family members, family members to receive the vaccine so that you can protect your, you know, our, our older generation. My mm-hmm. grandmother does not have her vision now. The only time they left the hospital, they left home, was to go to a to a doctor's appointment. So, if COVID can come into, you know, an, an elderly couple's home, this just just really lets us know how important it is for younger family members, caretakers, um, you know, home home nursing staff. To become vaccinated, because again, it's not just that it is going to protect you. This will offer some protection for those of us who are more vulnerable, including our our elderly um, um, population. So I'm I'm so proud of my aunt Denise for you know listening to the facts, listening listening to me, and being agreeable to 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 get the vaccine. And I appreciate that. Yes, we're from you know small town rural Alabama. However. They were still able to get their COVID vaccine, yes. and they received both of their COVID COVID vaccines since they were dis- discharged from the from the hospital. It's so, so it, well, it's, it's, it's essential for our community mm-hmm. to receive the vaccine. It, the message is is so important, and it, and your family really protected itself. So I think people might be wondering why is it that we have a higher rate of Black Americans getting COVID. Why was your hospital 70% filled? You know, we have about two minutes before our break, but what is it that makes Black Americans at greater risk? Absolutely. So what you may hear a lot of is that Black people have a higher risk of contracting COVID because of comorbidities, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, etc. And I really want to dispel that myth. Part of it is because of, um, of comorbidities, but a large part of it is what we call structural racism, which is um, the black community and many in the, in the black community are more likely to live in rural areas or to live in urban areas that may not have the same access to health care as, um, as, as others. 
may be more likely to live in multi-generational homes where their grandparents plus the parents plus plus children being in closer quarters will put you at an at an increased um, risk of contracting contracting COVID. So it is not all um, comorbidity. So much of it is lack of of, of resources, lack of health care um, access. Um, some with with lack of health insurance. So the only way for us to you know decrease and hopefully ultimately get rid of a lot of these um, inequalities with respect to contracting COVID, dying from COVID, being hospitalized from COVID, is is fixing and addressing a lot of the um, in- inequities um, outside of of, of health care. So mm-hmm. that's what it is. No one yep. likes to say the term racism, but it is what we call structural structural racism. Absolutely. They are the folks who are the frontline home health care workers taking public edu- public transportation. They are the people driving the trucks. They are the people who are in the hospitals working frontline. They are Absolutely. in very exposed position. They are not home on their computers, free to work from home. Um, so it's a very different terrain that they are dealing with. So if any community needs to be protected, this community certainly does. Absolutely. Um, I, I agree thing- with you 100 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that um, we're going to talk about when we come back is many people have asked the question, Dr. Wiley, and I think even Denise mentioned it. It's one that people have could this vaccine give me COVID? Could this vaccine give me side effects that would be very, very damaging to me and long-term? How new is it? And the fact that it's new, what will that mean? So let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to address those questions. I'm going to invite both of you to to weigh in on them. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Xanthia Wiley. She's a practicing physician with Emory Division of Infectious Diseases. And she is also the co-lead of the Emory Healthcare COVID-19 Treatment Guidance Committee. That committee is dedicated to educating patients, healthcare providers, and community organizations on COVID-19 and healthcare disparities. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of Finding Themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. You're, on, you're listening to Psych Up Live, and we have a very important show. Our message is going out to black communities, and we're talking about the importance of the COVID vaccine. Our expert is Dr. Xanthia Wiley. She's a practicing physician with the Emory Division of Infectious Diseases. She's also the co-lead of the Emory Healthcare COVID-19 Treatment Guidance Committee. She's joined by her aunt, Denise Rankin, who is the caregiver of her own daughters, as well as her parents and Dr. Wiley's grandparents. And she's done an unbelievable job there. But as a family, they have faced COVID and they have gotten past the fear of the vaccine and protected everyone they can. So Dr. Wiley, let me raise some of the questions that I hear um, up north and in different parts of the country. And that is, what makes this this vaccine work and is it dangerous to me or my family members in any way if we talk about Pfizer or Moderna let's say absolutely so so Dr. Phillips those are um, great questions that I receive on it on a daily basis so the reason that these vaccines work so well okay so the first thing that I want to say is that these are not live um Vaccines, so there's no live virus within within the vac the vaccine. So both the Pfizer and Moderna are are what we call messenger RNA vaccines, and what that means is is that what is injected into you is a blueprint for one of the proteins that is um, outside uh, and kind of studying the COVID virus. So what you want is for your body to use that blueprint to only make that spike protein. And when your body sees that protein and it sees that it is a foreign material, it does what our immune system is supposed to do, and it starts making antibodies. That's how how it works. It induces the antibodies, and this antibody induction you after so both the Pfizer and the Moderna require two two injections. After your second shot, you are up to ninety five percent effectiveness, and what that means is it reduces your chances of developing um, symptomatic or severe COVID by ninety five per percent. Okay. So, which is which is which is fantastic, and honestly, is a lot higher than many vaccines that that we receive on a yearly basis. Even the flu vaccine, people don't realize that the flu vaccine, on a good year, is maybe you know fifty, sixty, seventy percent effective. So, having vaccines that are this effective was um, is, is wonderful, and honestly, higher than any of us anticipated. Mm. So, it is not so- a live virus. Go ahead. So, Denise had a question that I've heard even my family members raise, which is it got emergency approval. Does that mean, Dr. Wiley, that it's it didn't go through all the stages necessary for formal approval? It does, it does not. So, the great thing about the FDA is that every vaccine has to go through what we call phase one, phase two, and phase three. Phase one is where they take about 20 to 100 healthy adults, try the vaccine, make sure that it's safe. Then they proceed to phase two, which is a larger number, maybe hundreds of people, healthy adults, to make sure it's safe before you move to phase three, which is um, the larger, really huge trial. And both the Pfizer and the Moderna um, collectively enrolled over 70,000 patients, okay, mm-hmm. that were, it, so many patients were enrolled and they ensured that um, men and women in different races were all in, included. 
so we can ensure that the vaccine is going to work just as well in different races. Okay, so there were, you know, um, many, you know, thousands of black patients, Hispanic patients, male patients, um, um, et cetera, and um, older, um, our older constituents as, as well. So the vaccines went through each of the phases, okay? They are safe. With respect to, I know you were, um, you, you mentioned um, side effects. We anticipate and Actually, 80% of people who receive either the Pfizer or the Moderna can expect some anticipated side effects. Like I, when I received mine, my arm was very sore. You mm-hmm. will have a sore arm. You may have a headache. You may have, mm-hmm. have fatigue. However, the good thing about it is it's very short-lived. Like yes. you may have that from 24 to 72 right. hours. And right. the way that I like to think about it is I'd rather have uh, mild symptoms for a very short period of time than have COVID disease and end up in the ICU with a ventilator. And, you know, we have half a million people in the United States who have, who have died. But right. yes, you can anticipate those, those symptoms, but that just lets you know that your immune system is working. Yes. Now, tell me if this is true. If, ni- if it provides 95% protection from COVID, there's a 5% chance that I'm going to get it. Is it true that if I do get it, if I've been vaccinated, I'm going to get a less severe case? Absolutely. So it, it means that in, in some cases, not just less severe, but some people may have no symptoms at, at all. So mm. again, if there's 95% effectiveness. So, yes, there is a chance that you can still contract COVID. But what I really don't think that the word has really gotten out in the media is that the likelihood of death after receiving a COVID vaccine, any of them, Pfizer or Moderna or even the newer ones that are coming on the market, likelihood Mm -hmm. of death is essentially zero. So Mm. you will will survive receiving the, the, the vaccine. Okay, so yes, if you are um, exposed to COVID, can you still get COVID disease? Yes, but there's nothing that's um, 100% effective. And another reason that it's so important, even after you get vaccinated, to still wear your mask, to still socially distance, is you may not have symptoms. Okay, however, there's a possibility that you can still transmit it to someone else You've received your vaccine. You feel just fine. You're not, not, not ill. But that small chance that you receive it, you can, you know, pass that on to someone who has not received the, the, the vaccine. So that's another reason why, even though I've received both of my vaccines, my Aunt Denise has received, you know, her, her first, we still wear a mask. We still socially distance. We still wash our hands. We still, you know, we, you still have to be very safe. And we have to do these things until we get the burden of COVID down even further than it already is right now. I'm so glad you're saying that because people have mentioned and said, so if you still need the masks and you need to social distance, what's the point? And you're making it clear the point has to do with lethality. The point has to do with unwittingly passing it on to someone who might not have yet been vaccinated and might die as a result of it. So we're really... If we're going to look at this 500,000 as horrific, all of us have to protect ourselves, but we still have to protect other people. Absolutely. And, and Dr. Phillips, what I like to tell a lot of my patients is, especially if you're young and you're healthy and you're spry and you're able to stay home and you can work from home and you may wonder, hey, why, you know, why, why do I really need to, to, to get it? It's because... When you visit your, your grandmother and, you know, you think that you're, that you're safe, if you contract COVID, there is a higher likelihood that you will survive. However, don't you want to protect your grandmother, your grandfather, your great aunt, your, your, you know, your loved ones? You may have, you know, a, a, a younger family member that has, has diabetes. So getting the vaccine is a personal choice. Yes, it, it's going to help 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 you, but it you know most importantly, it's going to protect those who are vulnerable. And I think all of us want to you know to to make sure that we're taking care of not just our family members and loved ones, but other people who are vulnerable in in the community. 
And also, mm-hmm. it's important for us to wear masks. We're all ready to get get back to, to normal life. Mm-hmm. I'm just traveling. I miss hugging my, my mother and my aunt and my grandmother without having a, a, a mask on my face. We all are ready to move on with life. And the quicker that all of us, you know, follow in, you know, the instructions from healthcare workers, the socially distance, wear your mask, get your vaccine, the quicker we'll all get back to our normal lives. So let me ask this question, because you mentioned that your grandparents had COVID and then the facility was good enough to give them the vaccine before they left, or at least, I guess, one dose, or maybe both, I don't know. But the question is, so if I've had COVID, don't I have my own antibodies? Why would I need the vaccine? Excellent question, and that's another question that I that I get all the time. So what we don't, don't have great data in science for just yet is how high of antibody levels will you get based on your exposure? So, for, for example, I found out in um, May of last year that I have antibodies to, to COVID. I was never sick. I have no clue when I was exposed, but I thought I was exposed. So that mm-hmm. was how many months ago. My antibodies that I developed from that exposure we don't really know how long do they last. How strong were those antibodies? Were my antibody response, you know, and antibody level the same as my grandparents who actually had the disease? So that has not been studied um, extensively. However, what we know is that if you receive the, the, the vaccine, we do have some some um, some data and science to show that you can get high levels of those antibodies. Will those antibodies last forever? No, nothing Nothing lasts for, for, forever. However, for what we know is for at least several months, you get high levels of, of those antibodies, which will offer additional protection. So if you've had COVID, you can still get the vaccine. If you have had antibodies and didn't have symptoms like me, you should still get, get the vaccine. Um, if someone has, let's say, active COVID right now, they have fever, chills, they're not feeling well, it is not recommended that you get the COVID vaccine while you're not, not feeling the best. But after you recover and you're off of quarantine and you're not running a fever, yes, you should, you should receive your vaccine. Mm-hmm. One of my patients just today was saying she, the three months since she had COVID is just about up and now she's looking to get the vaccine, just just what you're saying. The, yeah. the other question that has come up is, well, what about these variants, Dr. Wiley, that people talk about? Some people say, well, does that make the vaccine useless? Great, great question. It does not make the vaccine useless. So there's, there's a lot out there and a lot in the media, and everyone is talking about these, these variants. So this is what I want everyone to know. What a virus does in its spare time is mutate. The entire point of a virus, it wants to mutate so that it can remain alive and can transmit from one person to the, to the next. So we expected these variants. We expected a lot of, of, of variants. So am I surprised at all by these variants? I, I am not. The great news is, is that the, the variants are being tested um, uh, against or, you know, um, with people who have received um, the, the vaccine. And what we know is that there is um, effectiveness of the current vaccine to the, the variant. Now, will it vary? Of course it, it will. Will it be definitively 95%? Possibly not, but these are things that are being studied. So what I tell my patients, what I tell my community is, are there variants out there? Absolutely. Should you still get the vaccine? Yes, absolutely. You should, you should, you should receive the, the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And what we, what we don't know just yet, and, you know, this is going to depend on how COVID numbers are, how, you know, the virus mutates, is, is it possible that after you've received your, you know, your two doses of a of, of vaccine that there's a possibility in the future that you may need a booster? Possibly. But we don't have that information just, just yet. So what we're recommending, you know, variants or no variants, you should obtain the, the vaccine when you are eligible to receive it. 
You know, from a scientist's point of view and from an infectious diseases physician point of view, it must seem like a miracle that, and we've got to thank these scientists that they were able to develop a vaccine that's obviously this effective. Absolutely. And I, and I want, you know, um, the black community, my people who are listening to this to also know that one of the lead vaccine scientist with the NIH is a black woman, mm-hmm. and she is 35 years old. Her name is Dr. Kizzy Corbett. She is from North Carolina. She's been working on, on vaccines for many, many years, and she is, you know, is, is really helping to lead the effort in, you know, the coronavirus um, 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 work and research. So, you know, is there mistrust? In the, um, the, the the healthcare system, that kind of history of mistrust with in, with the black community, absolutely. You know, my aunt and I we're from Alabama. Yes, we've heard about the Tuskegee um, the Tuskegee studies. You know, yes, we've heard about you know a lot of the um, um, gynecologic procedures that were done on black people. Um, you know, in the 1800s without any any anesthesia. Yes, we know we know about these things. I also want to mention Dr. Susan Moore, who was a physician hospitalized in, in Indiana. A lot of people have heard her story. This is a black black doctor who was in the hospital with COVID, trying to advocate for herself. Mm. So it's not just the history of of you know of, of mistrust. There are issues that are going on right now with respect to, to mistrust as well. I understand okay. that we have to acknowledge that. However, what we also have to acknowledge is. This disease is disproportionately affecting our community, the black community, the brown community. What can we do? We can obtain the vaccine because the only people who are going to be harmed by us not receiving the vaccine is us. Very good. We're going to have to take a break. I love you ending on that point. You've been listening to Psych Up Live as you hear with Dr. Xanthia Wiley and her aunt, Denise Rankin. They're both trying to send the message to the black community. They're doing an unbelievable job to get the vaccine, the safety of it, the importance of it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more. We'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a shakeup in your online entertainment? Then listen for the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. It's time to take a fresh look at the politics of our economy and its impact on you. Darren and his guests will explain these rights, legislation, and observations in sectors that affect people around the world every day. Imagine a podcast that makes you stop and think. That's the Information Edge. Tune in every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You 
are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Xanthea Wiley. She's a practicing physician with the Emory Division of Infectious Diseases. She's also the co-lead of the Emory Healthcare COVID-19 Treatment Guidance Committee. They're dedicated to doing just what we're doing today, educating parents, healthcare providers, patients about COVID-19, particularly the life-saving properties of the vaccine. Um, She's here with her aunt, Denise, Um, Let me ask both of you about availability. Let me just start with you, Denise, for a minute. How did you sign up to get the vaccine? How available was it to you and your friends or your your co-workers? Well, we were told that the 75 and older were the target. And once they were received, had received their vaccination, then it would, the, the age level would continue to drop. We could call our local health department or the hospital to schedule an appointment. I tried to schedule an appointment because I felt like I was in such dire need of this vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I was told that they would not even take my information because of my age. Then I received a call about two weeks later from a local council person, and he told me, he said, I told you, he said, some people are not showing up for their appointments. If you want the back vaccine, be there Wednesday at a, a location in Evergreen, Alabama, which is near to Castleberry. Mm-hmm. And he said, you wait. He said, and possibly they don't want to get rid of any vaccines, so you might be able to get the vaccine <laughs> this way. Great. And it set me on fire. I call, He told me to call my neighbors, call people, and tell them to try to come and get worked in. And I did. I got on the phone that night. Several people said, we'll be there at 8.30. We got there at 8.30 in the morning. We were told that we could not get it because we were not, we were not scheduled. Mm-hmm. And we waited around. The council person showed up. He went in and talked with um, some of the lead people who were at the facility, and they told us that maybe by 10 o'clock we'll have some free vaccines that someone did not show up. And sure enough, my sister, my oldest sister, who's um, a liver transplant recipient, she was with me and four of my other friends from the surrounding area. They were there sitting in the car, and I said, let's go. It's 10 (laughs) o'clock. We walked inside. And we were, they were gracious enough to let us know that we do have a few, a few shots available. And we got vaccinated that day. And I started telling people even more for the next week, you might have to wait a little while, but it'll be worth it. You need to be vaccinated. And That's I tell great. people, make it a personal choice. And also, take your doctor's professional advice based on whatever you need to do for you. But I surely do know that there are more people who are dying with COVID disease or COVID virus instead of dying with this vaccination. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. You really took matters into your own hands, and I love it. It's the stories I've heard, too. It's word of mouth. It's people helping each other. It's as if, okay, the infrastructure isn't there. People are just going to step up and help each other. It's a great, great story, and I'm so glad you got it. So, Dr. Wiley, let's talk a little bit about availability. I mean, as I sort of said in our break, there are parts in parts of the country, if you're not a high-tech 25-year-old, there's no way you're getting through. What, what can you tell us about, and our listeners, how to get this vaccine? Absolutely. So um, I'm glad that my aunt was savvy enough and smart enough and, you know, was able to make the correct phone calls and, and, and get her vaccine. But we this, this cannot and should not be the way that American citizens have to um, um, obtain the, the vaccine. And um, I'm pleased that the new administration that we have 
more vaccine allotments coming because we hope that people will not have to go go through these processes of waiting in line mm. and having to be tech savvy and having to have Wi-Fi, et, et cetera, that this process will be will be easier. The rollout is different for, for every state, okay? So California and some counties are already vaccinating teachers. Here in Georgia, where I am, we're still um, um, vaccinating primarily people who are um, um, over the age of 65. So the best place to go for information is your county health department. Where, at whatever state you may, may be at, the best place to go is just Google your county, your health department to see, you know, where you are in the in the rollout. Most places in the United States are vaccinating people who are over 65 and have not rolled out to the to the general population um, just, just yet. So our ultimate goal is for people not to have to fight and Stay in line and work this hard to get something that we all need and 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 deserve. So it it is an important um, also that the community and local health departments and the government we are going to have to do some some outreach as well. There are going to be communities who may not have transportation to get to a vaccine site, right? May not have a computer to get to a vaccine site. So yes. Most people will go to the health department, go to, you know, their, their primary care providers, et cetera, but it is our responsibility as healthcare providers and as a nation to make this process easier for our vulnerable population, including our, um, um, our older um, population. So those of you who are out there, you may want to know, hey, it's not my turn to get the vaccine right now. You may want to know, well, what can you do? Do you have an elderly neighbor? Do you have a neighbor who cannot see? Do you have a neighbor who may not be able to read all, all that well? Do you have a family member? Try to help. If, if we, if everyone tries to help one person who is a, you know, in, in, a, in a vulnerable state, obtain their vaccine and get their vaccine, that would, that, that's going to be helpful for, for all of us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, we praise the people who are able to kind of figure out how to get the, the vaccine, but this is the United States of America. We should not have to, to do that. And I, I look forward to that getting better in the um, upcoming weeks to months. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's such a good message. In one case, I knew of an elderly woman. I was quite worried about her. And I was shocked when she said I got my first vaccine. And she said another person, a little younger than her, found out that it was being given at a parish where wow. the lady I knew had volunteered to help English speaking, um, to help people with English, the English language. And that other person did just what you said, um, Dr. Wiley. She set it up for her. She picked her up. She brought her there. She brought her home. And it makes me think, I think people always feel safer when you can bring the vaccine to them. If we Mm -hmm. could have the houses of worship provide certain days for it. If we could have the local schools provide it. I mean, you're the expert, but it seems to me sometimes things seem safer when they're closer to home. I completely completely agree. It and, does. and 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 people, our administration, our government workers, our county health department, we know this and I want everyone to know that there is work that is being done you know, on the, on the back end to try to figure out a way to make obtaining the vaccine as easy as, as possible. So, Dr. Phillips, you're correct. I'm sure a lot of people will feel more comfortable going to their, their church knowing that, hey, my pastor, my preacher thinks that this is a, a good right. idea. I'm going to go to my place of worship and, and get my vaccine. Maybe the same for, you know, um, for, for, for teachers. So it is it is my duty as a physician, and it is our duty as healthcare workers to make sure that we meet people where they where they are. Mm-hmm. And you know, no matter how much money you make, how how little money you make, um, if you don't speak speak English, these our goal is that these are not going to be barriers to you receiving something that is your your right to receive if you if if you need it. But mm-hmm. but yes, in the in the meanwhile, it's. It's, you know, it's important, just like my aunt calls her friends and, you know, was speaking to her, her councilman and, and worked, it, worked it out to help others. We have to take care of each other um, 
each other during this. But the mm-hmm. ultimate responsibility is us, the healthcare workers, the, the, the government, the county health department, to take care of our, our people. Mm-hmm. Now, one question which may seem, I think we've answered it in some ways, but people have raised it. Is it enough for one person in a family to get the vaccine? No, no. Right. So we're, we're, we're recommending um, this, this kind of term herd immunity, which means that if enough people get the disease, if enough people get the vaccine, then at some point I'm going to be protected as, as well. If a lot of people think that that way, we may end up being in this pandemic longer than any of us mm-hmm. want, want to be. Mm-hmm. So you what mean- I recommend... Go ahead. Yeah, so what I, what I recommend is if it is your time to receive the vaccine and you're amenable to receiving the, the, the vaccine, please re- receive the vaccine and don't um, depend on other people in your, in your household, other people in your community to protect you. We're all in this together. Let's, let's protect our loved ones, plus protect our community. Mm-hmm. Let me ask each of you for a message that you might share with the black community. Denise, what would you suggest to people listening to our show today? Community immunity. That was a term that I heard coined by a doctor from um, Columbia. And this is the way that we must go. It's an individual choice. And then if this individual choice spreads, and each person in that community, if we could get at least 87% of the community vaccinated, and then that will help stop the spread of this deadly virus. Mm -hmm. And I just want to tell individuals to make it a personal choice between yourself and your physician. And I thank you, Dr. Phillips, and I thank you, Dr. Wiley, for this information. It has also helped me today. Thank you. And Dr. Wiley, my first question is, can people go to your website to find you? Yes, so I am. I am not on social media. I'm one of the, the, the very few people out there who am. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on on, on Facebook. But um, um, the probably the best way to to reach out will be l- listening to this show. And if there are other questions that I may be able to to answer, I'm happy to share share my email as well. Okay, sounds really good. And what would be your take-home message to our listeners? Absolutely. So I, I love what my aunt just said, community, immunity, okay? So for the black community, what I want us to know is, is there a history of mistrust and have we not been taken care of in this, in this country in the, in the past? Sure, okay? Have things changed and improved? Absolutely. Who is going to suffer if we, as, as the black community and the brown community, don't receive the vaccine? Those who are going to suffer will, will be us. So what I say is be open to the, to the vaccine to help protect yourself, help protect your loved ones, your family members, your grandparents, your children, your community. And I love what my, my Aunt Denise said, community immunity. Let's Mm -hmm. all do this together so that we can all move on with with our lives and that we will not lose another human being in in, in this country. I love it. Thank you so much. I want to thank you, Dr. Zenita Wiley and Denise Rankin, for sharing the gift of information about COVID vaccine with our listeners. I'm certain that the information about safety and effectiveness that you shared today will be passed forward to black communities and any family or person who hears our show. Thank you again for being my guest today. Thank you. And thanks for having us. Yes, I want to thank my listeners. Now, remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, on my website, but even more importantly, on every possible platform on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, TuneIn, Google Play. If you have the platform, you can have access to this podcast. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, please be safe. Wear masks, look to get your vaccine. Thanks and be listening. 
Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.